I mean, where were we in in twenty twenty? The 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 young, you know, for all we heard about the millennial left, for all we heard about um, this generation left that was going to bring about this sea change, they were the most hardcore pro Biden people, and this was the source of our cynicism. These people who have been brought to political agency and and activism as young people are not the future socialists they're the future democratic party well what do you say now that uh, the 18 to 24 year olds are for trump rather than for biden this this is a disruption and this is the first time that positioning on israel absolutely unquestioning pro israel policy is starting to have an actual political cost for our leaders they've never had to worry about this before and the point of view of the the strategic aim of pro-Palestinian advocacy that is working. The death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning and of a whole form of human life. Where do we stand in the illusion it makes? What kind of space are we invited into? The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs, we, we still, to a large extent, live in the interregnum between, between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms. Not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap is a Sublation Media podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the Diet Soap podcast. With me today is James A. Smith. Uh, author of Other People's Politics and co-host of the popular show, supporter of the struggle uh, for the Palestinians' independence, Twitter warrior. And today we're going to kind of pick up off of the conversation that we started on Twitter about um, the left and the need to support the resistance, the Palestinian resistance, against Israeli occupation and apartheid. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll start by summarizing my memory of, of our initial exchange in my cynical tweet that got this all rolling. You, you um, were criticizing an academic uh, Marxist, I think, of some kind. Yeah, who was Benjamin saying, Bratton. The um, he, he wrote a, a book called The Stack, which was a, a, a quite interesting analysis of um, modern computing and, and data models. Uh, and then wrote a book that was absolutely astonishing to me about COVID, where he was he was basically taking a gambon to task and saying that anyone in philosophy who had questioned lockdowns and vaccine mandates was uh, what he called a, a boomer theorist stuck in the old world of Foucault, where you're paranoid about getting put in a panopticon. And actually, philosophy and the left needs to get with the program and recognize that in the age of pandemics, we need to redefine our ideas of democracy and freedom, uh, which was exactly the kind of academic argument that I uh, tended to take against during yeah, the COVID yeah. period. I didn't want sounds to redefine like... democracy or freedom, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, he sounds like the kind of guy that I would um, send to Gulag after the revolution, but then feel bad for having done yeah. so because I'm yeah, a sure. civil libertarian. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, but I forget exactly what he tweeted. This, this guy, but it's something like 
you have to register your your uh uh sympathy or empathy for the Palestinian people in this time of bombardment or something. What was what did he say exactly? Because I'm not remembering properly. He he's he says that um it, it is uh he said to Owen Jones that um the the problem is that uh you, you know the left is so com- concerned with the appalling tragedy in Gaza but uh, it minimizes the sadistic atrocities of October 7th. Um, what I, I quote tweeted um, Simon Sharma, a, a you know, respected historian, but he, he's taken a very pro-Israel line um, on, um, on current events. Um, I, I said that you know, Simon Sharma just needs to give up winding himself up over what Owen Jones says. Owen Jones represents an activist left that believes in exerting collective action in order to change a situation. That that is what uh, the left is doing in participating in, in all this uh, advocacy for the Palestinians. While you, Simon Sharma, believe in grieving when things are sad and being seen to grieve in the right way, these two people just exist in different universes and they should do themselves a favor and stop winding each other up and just ignore each other right your retort uh i'll leave to you yeah 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 right well i said something along the lines of um i think the activists unfortunately are also mostly uh expressing their emotions uh Mm -hmm. and and doing a public performance of of grieving uh much more than they are uh actually acting in a way that could create a political change something along those lines is what i said and and so I didn't side with the person you were uh, responding to. I wasn't saying, oh, you know, what about October 7th? I was just no, saying no. that we we um, we need to be able to be critically reflect on the impact of our activism. And I particularly think I noted or linked to um, a Chumbawamba song called Not In Our Name. Yeah, yeah. Um, to reference back to the war on terror Mm -hmm. and the way in which the protests, which were very large, were mostly an expression of dissent, but which did not aim to have to either change policy or uh, develop a, a, a politics that could eventually challenge the established neoconservative, uh, politics of the United States and and the UK. Yes. Um, so th- that that was my critique. My critique was this was a replay of something yes. that we had already done twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you didn't agree with that. Perhaps um, you, you'll allow me to um, just briefly sketch for your listeners and viewers where, where I'm coming from. In the past, when you've kindly let the popular show post on on your channel um i sometimes felt like the the audience maybe assumed i was coming from a position that i wasn't coming from on on some issues so so if i if i could just tell the story mm-hmm. briefly um that was that in my view how we've got to th- this particular point and this particular dynamic in activism and and with the left um i'm a, a 2017 man um in the respect that i do believe that there was a path to power for the radical left through electoral means uh, in the form of Corbyn in my country uh, and uh, his 
similar, you know, comparable figures elsewhere. Uh, and I also believe that that form of radical social democracy would have been a very beneficial thing and a possible path to socialism. But that wasn't the only standard by which I was judging it. I believe that there were internal, ultimately class-based um, forms of self-sabotaging behavior in those movements. This goes for the American, mainland European, and, and British iterations of this left populism, which contributed to the downfall and the failure of those projects. I believe that there was a lot stacked against them, that there was a path to victory, and the path was not taken because of internal contradictions and pathologies within those movements. Mm. Insofar as the only outcome of that was that the left failed to take power, nobody really expected it to, and it didn't. Insofar as that was the case, its damage was perhaps limited. Where I became very concerned about the direction of the left was after the defeat of Corbyn and Bernie, and my perception was that a lot of those energies had not gone away. There was still a sort of id-like forward drive that was going on in these millennial left formations. Um, it was no longer focused on um, a disciplined project of taking power in the interest of the downward redistribution of wealth and um, and, and power. It was getting redirected into um, into other areas and into other directions. And it was no longer merely self-sabotaging. It was now the case that the defeated left was threatening to um, inadvertently or, or deliberately, in some cases, prop up very bad directions that our societies were taking. Um, the supreme one here is COVID, and it's no accident that a lot of the independent media in Britain, anyway, that had been set up to promote Corbyn, then immediately switched gear and became the pro-lockdown media, uh, for, for which nothing the government was doing to contain COVID was enough, and instead we needed more vaccine mandates, we needed more lockdown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, and, and there are comparable dynamics elsewhere. So, in other words, the defeated left was now um, in a position where it was sort of the voluntary propagandist for um, the, 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 the most um, reactionary um, policy program of my lifetime, the greatest grab of authoritarian state power, the greatest removal from democratic scrutiny of domestic policy that any of us have witnessed, and a, a, a supreme revenge on populism, a revenge on the populism of the left and right that had caused so many upsets and disturbances over the previous years. So to my mind, the COVID containment measures, the way they were enacted, uh, as well as a lot of their content, was an absolute disaster. And the conduct of the left was an absolute disaster. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's for now, maybe it's for another time. But I, I've said all along on the popular show what, what I thought that the left should have been doing to seize some opportunity in that moment. Instead, it merely replaced, um, in the UK case, it replaced its affection for the European Union with affection for the WHO, one supranational body taking decision-making out of democratic hands replaced for another. 
throw into the the mix uh, the BLM uprisings of 2020, and you again see the left putting becoming the chief propagandists and the most able propagandists for a movement that ultimately served the ends of the professional managerial class. And it, it, it didn't just accidentally do that. I saw leftists saying that they were glad that Bernie had been defeated, because if we were trying to fight a presidential election, as well as having this race revolution, then you know it would have muddied the water, it would have been distracting. So it, it, was, it was really a terrible time in terms of the forms of surveillance, scrutiny, um, uh, 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 policing of language and the enabling of this whole set of tools which didn't benefit working class black people at all, only stood to benefit um, uh, allies, trademark, um, and uh, uh, um, privileged people of colour in the professional class. So all in all, uh, another reactionary thing for the left to get behind. Um, mm-hmm. if, if if I may continue the, the story, I appreciate I'm speaking mm-hmm. at length here, but we get we then turn to Ukraine uh, early in 2022, and there, well, I, I can't say that the left was um, a, a, a particularly powerful direct agent in um, what I saw as again a grievous wrong turn. Um, if if COVID had taken domestic policy out of democratic scrutiny and moralized it and propagandized it uh, to an unprecedented degree, those same impulses, tendencies and forms of control were now applied to a foreign policy measure. Uh, If you didn't um, simply agree with the indiscriminate pouring of weapons into Eastern Europe, if you didn't agree to pretend that there was no history uh, of of NATO and Western intervention in the region, uh, if you had any kind of questions at all, you were accused, uh, as uh, we probably both were, of being a Putinist. Um, and what was the role of the left in all that? It was really to sort of play the same, kind of use the same um, behaviours that it had used during Black Lives Matter, of kind of pointing the finger at dissenters within its own ranks. The red-browns were the target in 2020, the tankies were the target in 2022. Um, And there are plenty of examples of good leftists handing in their colleagues in the pariah left for being closet Putinists. And basically, as far as Britain is concerned anyway, the whole kind of critical foreign policy stance that the left had adopted during the Corbyn period, after all, we had the long-time chair of Stop the War as the leader of the Labour Party at the time, all of that was forgotten and we became very paranoid about saying that the West was really causing a great deal of mischief in Ukraine. And I think that that has been proven to be completely true in recent weeks when as soon as eyes are now on Israel, someone's obviously sat Zelensky down and told him the facts of life and we're probably going to see a settlement in Ukraine very similar to what would have happened on day two of the invasion, except without a generation of Ukrainian men murdered. So um, we've got kind of three major um, uh, uh, world events uh, taking place after the defeat of left populism. And in each case, I've argued, the left took either an actively um, uh, uh, negative role, a role that actively made the situation worse, or sided with um, the political class, um, in um, imposing forms of authoritarianism, censorship, um, etc., um, or it just sort of helped in criticising those on its own side who wanted to 
um, form a kind of dissenting cohort on those issues. Now, during all that, um, there, you know, I, you and I weren't alone in having our, our criticisms of the left during that time. There was formed a sort of um, a tendency of what we might call the the dissident left, the paleo left, the materialist left, the self-critical mm. left, groupings who um, basically thought that the left was was going wrong and wanted to diagnose why that might be and to say what it should be doing. Instead, Sublation Media itself was formed during this time. The popular show was formed during this time. Um, Bunga cast, formerly Alpha Bunga Bunga, became uh, a lot bigger uh, during that time. Figures like Thomas Farsi, Glenn Greenwald, um, uh, uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, writers who are you know, journalists or academics or whatever, they formed big personal platforms making similar critiques. Uh, and um, there are no doubt other important names that uh, are slipping my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Where- There's a podcast called Do Dissidents. Which yeah. we might mention, you know, they they have the dissonant in there. And, there you go. In the Compact pilot. magazine, yeah. another yeah. another example that I've I've written for mm. recently, and, and there are others. So mm. there, this was a very rich period, actually, for left self criticism for parts of the intellectual left, and it was an intellectual movement. It didn't have um, a kind of grassroots behind it. It, it wasn't kind of calling town meetings or forming chapters in cities. It was podcasts, cultural production, writing, debate, and argument, which isn't disqualifying, Mm -hmm. but it's worth noting. Um, Mm. This intellectual dissident left um, has been you know my my uh, my my side for quite a while. But as we've been observing on the popular show, it sort of hits a rock with the crisis in Gaza since October 7th. And Mm -hmm. the names and platforms that I've just reeled off have sort of split down the middle. They've been broadly united on the other things I've mentioned, on COVID, on Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, and on Ukraine, uh, and have taken the stance that I've just articulated on each of those, broadly Mm -hmm. speaking. But we've split down the middle on on Gaza. And um, in short, I'm, I'm with Greenwald, Farsi, and others in that list who have claimed that the forms of censorship, the forms of de-democratization, the forms of propaganda that characterized those previous crises are now being deployed for Israel. Mm -hmm. And others on that list have taken a different view, which while I'm not going to presume to uh, ventriloquize your own view, Doug, just the, the tone of your replies to me online, some of the other things that I've seen you and colleagues saying, make me feel that you think that the way the left, the activist left, which is wholeheartedly for Gaza, massive demonstrations, huge amounts of, uh, of again, cultural production coming from figures like Owen Jones and Navarra Media in the UK, um, huge investments in this as an issue, I would guess that you think that this is, oh, here we go, the left getting it wrong again, just like it did on those other issues, whereas I and some of those other names I I gave see this actually as sort of the left finally 
pulling itself together and becoming a lot more interesting and showing much better instincts, whilst much of that intellectual distant left is kind of screwing the pooch. That's uh, well, okay. I, <clears throat> okay. Um, I almost agree with you entirely. Okay. The only thing that I would disagree with are two things. Well, mm -hmm. one of them is pretty profound, but um, uh, I don't think that the intellectual dissonant, I have not noticed that, that it's particularly split. I feel like I'm an outlier amongst the dissonant left. Um, uh, I would say that there's a pro-Israeli contingent, but it's not on the it's not within the dissonant left. It's um, from my American perspective, there's a pro-Israeli contingency within the Democratic Party. Yes. And okay, so that mm -hmm. um, I'm not amongst I'm not in that camp. I'm not pro-Israel per se. I'm not. Uh, in any way supportive of the bombardment in, uh, of, of Gaza or the reaction to October 7th, um, of course, against the occupation and the blockade. I think there should be either a two-state or a one-state solution. I'm not really in a position to, to say, but a one-state solution would be what I would prefer, where everyone in what is now called Israel had equal rights and, and you know, suffrage, equals equal in front of the in, in you know before the law and uh, had political representation and so forth um so uh, uh <clears throat> the diff disagreement we have is not about um israel um i do wonder about your attitude toward hamas mm -hmm. um and the uh, the other disagreement. I also want to point out we don't have a disagreement at all about how the censorship industrial complex has now been taken up by the pro-Israeli contingency in the United States and Europe, and that's just obvious to me. And I am have been spoken speaking out against that. I, I totally oppose that. Um, so yeah. So the where where is our disagreement? I think that it was probably a mistake to for the radical left even the social democratic left to embrace either corbin or sanders i think that the results that you see as maybe psychologically motivated or uh somehow a, a response to the defeat um which then became uh misdirected uh, and, and antisocial, um, that is the embrace of the COVID policies mm -hmm. and others, actually was a result of being aligned in a popular front with the Democratic Party and the, and the Labor Party, that, um, that ultimately that commitment was more important than the commitment to Medicare for All or to other social democratic policies that, that attracted the socialist left to the Democrats through Bernie and to labor through Corbyn. Um, so I, and I see the response to um, October 7th and the uh, consequential or the consequent uh, bombardment and invasion of, of Gaza to be um, aligned with the Democratic Party and the Labor Party as well, but only to factions within those parties rather than uh, to to the 
parties in their totality. So like there is a division within the Democratic Party, which runs along uh, demographic and ethnic lines to hold together uh, a coalition of voters. There's a split there within the Democrats. Um, and you can see how they they deal with it um, as well. But so there are representatives who um, have to placate Arab voters or uh, African-American voters who might feel some affinity to the Palestinians. Um, and then there are representatives within the Democratic Party who have to speak to their Jewish constituents. And is, so, is it not remarkable, though, that both Labour Party and Democratic Party are dependent on Arab and other Middle Eastern heritage voters, and yet on this issue have been quite extraordinary in their ability to ignore that uh, base? The same, you know, it was true of uh, the Labour Party during the War on Terror. And somehow it found it within itself to ignore the self-interest of appealing and retaining those voters and instead to see the demands of the Atlantic agenda as worth risking it all for. Um, it, it may be that uh, a lot of Democratic representatives have a huge headache at the moment with their Arab um American voters, but it's a tiny slither of Democratic elected officials who are actually breaking rank over this. And when you no, say they, that they, they are breaking rank, but they are speaking to it, you know, speaking they, to they, it. how so? They will um, meet with representatives from the different communities and say things like, "I feel your pain." Okay. Um, they they are and then go and vote uh, and then go and vote through uh, yeah. whatever weapon supplies it is. In the UK, yeah. Keir Starmer apparently gave permission to Labour MPs to give the impression that they had voted for a ceasefire as long as they actually didn't fucking do it when they were in the room. So mm -hmm. they're aware that there is this problem, but actually on this issue alone, fidelity to Israel. Uh, these um, the the liberal capitalist parties um, show an amazing ability to refuse to act in their own interest. I mean, I have seen the argument made plenty that this is a sort of oh yeah, this is just a another kind of bit of sheep dogging herding activists into the Democratic Party or the Labour Party. But I think we again, I I, I, I don't believe a metaphor. We, we've hit a certain rock here. Israel-Palestine is a unique issue, and that is felt in the way that, yeah, you could say that the Labour Party was more, under Keir Starmer, certainly would have been more the party of lockdown. Corbyn himself is, is, a, is a, a strange libertarian um, figure in many ways, uh, so I, I, I think it's hard to picture what it would have been in like. In the United States, him. Sanders would have gone along with the lockdown. He would have done. He would yeah. have done. Um, as he is going along with... Uh, the, the the standard bipartisan line on Israel. Again, Corbyn, you know, is not, but he's not even even in the Labour Party anymore. So uh, that that was always the difference between them: dissent on foreign policy, uh, which also accounts for why Cor Corbyn and his supporters are much more distant from the Labour Party than Bernie and his supporters are from the Democratic Party. Yeah, I don't know to degree to which it, the Democrats are going to be sacrificing their short-term interests in order to 
maintain fidelity to what I will just call the DC consensus, right, uh, uh, um, on Israel. I, um, I don't. I also am not sure what the uh, pathway to peace is right now, mm-hmm. given the politics that exist. Um, I know that what I would advocate for um, is very far away from being enacted or anywhere close to reality. What I would advocate for is regime change in Palestine, you know, Gaza and Israel. Yes. And uh, and a development of a, a new political force that's a combination of the working class of Palestinians. And but, I mean, that's just, you know, I could also say I'd advocate for uh, giving everyone angel wings or something. Like yeah. That. I mean, I mean, this is an not- example of this of that intellectualism of the of our dissident left that's not being connected to a there was no mass left movement against lockdown there was no mass adolf reed party uh waiting in to 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 waiting in the wings during blm there was certainly no left leadership of the resistance to sending weapons to ukraine that was left to opportunists on the right um and the same is true now i mean you you you've said before that you support a one state solution well you know, the, the the problem is that the 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 sort of the anti the anti activist left or the anti Hamas left, whatever you want to call it, side of this dissident mm. intellectual left has. Um, I'm not saying you're doing this, but many of our colleagues are. Um, have countenanced the idea that there is a left anti-Semitism. These activists support Hamas. They are they, they are anti-Semites. Actually, there was something in those accusations that followed Corbyn, etc. Well, if you're advocating a one-state solution, a democratic state where there are equal rights for Jews and Arabs, um, you are going to be in the firing line for anti-Semitism allegations. Because in that state, is it not true that existing birth rates show that the Arabs would very quickly um, overpopulate the country against uh, uh, the Jews? Is it not true that their votes would count all the more than Jews? Do you therefore deny Jews alone in the world the right to a state? Are you, Doug Lane, such an anti-Semite that you can ignore the Holocaust and the history of the pogroms? You see how it happens, Doug. The, I'm just the fact that you think that there's a problem with an ethnostate Israel, uh, it, it, you know, according to the reigning logic of both the Labour Party and the Democratic Party, and opportunists who don't actually really think it on the rights but pretend to think it, um, you, you are as anti-Semitic as I am. No, I'm not saying you're an anti-Semite. Okay, so then I, I, I'm given that I don't think you're an anti-Semite. I'm glad to be as anti-Semitic as you are, James. You know what I um, mean, though. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, no. the, 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 okay, maybe you're doing, maybe you're not. I don't know. Others we know are bunga cast, a show that I have a lot of regard for people in that are saying this. And, you know, if, if they think that there should be anything other than a Jewish ethnostate policed by violence, um, with its uh, with its ethnic character policed by violence and sustained by American money and British diplomacy and arms from both of us, then you will be in the firing line for being called an anti-Semite. This is the this is. I'm a, more a, than willing to take the heat. 
you know? Okay. Um, well, <clears throat> yeah, but uh, but I don't, and I have not followed the Bunga cast position in any detail, but mm-hmm. I can, so I can't speak for them. Um, but what I will say is that my position is that I think, I, I think that uh, the, that it, ha- it should be possible to develop uh, an independent left that does not have to embrace Hamas in order to oppose Israel. Um, and that is, I know I, I may sound like I'm um, nitpicking here, but, yeah. but I, but I feel as though that um, just to be quite honest, the initial response to October 7th from many on the Marxist left, those who often enough would have em- embraced the lockdowns, for instance, but who uh, to 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 feel a great joy after the mm-hmm. attacks of October seventh, uh, you know, I didn't find myself wanting to con- condemn them morally in the in the in the uh, style of a Douglas Murray. I found myself think, feeling that they were deluding themselves in the same way that a friend of mine who uh during the black lives matter protests thought that the united states was about to be overturned when the when there were protesters outside the white house and trump was hiding in the basement you know like that the the um i just felt that there was a self-delusion at work if that people were looking at the attacks of october 7th and thinking that it would lead to some sort of short-term or even middle-term victory for working people, for the people of Palestine, uh, you know, yeah. that, that this, I felt that this was likely to only make um, the, the, the imperial powers stronger in the short term, or at least more reactive and oppressive in the, in the short term. And that um, Hamas itself uh, was a reactionary organization that, if it took power, would also have to be opposed. That it w- it was not. So um, I, I just didn't see any good coming from October seventh. I certainly don't see anything good coming from the invasion and the attempt to destroy Hamas that's going on right now. Um, so you know that that's, that's my position it's not particularly um it's kind of pessimistic i don't i don't have a, a lot to offer in terms of immediate of an immediate project i do completely hold to the idea that palestinians should have equal rights and uh, 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 either their own state or should be uh, equal citizens within what's now called israel um I, but uh, you know i also don't see the immediate uh crisis there having a good outcome that now having said that i'm for calls for ceasefire i'm not against that i wonder about the calls to defund israel um not because i oppose defunding israel but because i think it may be similar to calls to defund the police that it will only that it it, it will get turned around into something that will let, let, let me answer about Hamas and then let's do defund Israel um, yeah. because there's there's quite a lot to do there. Um, okay, Hamas. Uh, we all saw the some initial, you know, responses of jubilation from some leftists 
online. I mean, I, I, I take the arguments from um, many involved that their response These are people was, I res- kind of yeah. respect. They weren't, these weren't people who I would want to put down. Uh, you know, they're long-term Marxist theorists and, yeah. and, and I mean, writers. Let's say they wouldn't do it today. Uh, I, many of them wouldn't have done it, you know, on October 8th. When you first saw the image of the bulldozer taking down the fence, if you've been preoccupied with that fence for a very long time, um, it's not surprising that some um, forms of, you know, more emotional, excited response will, will, will come out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that accounts for much more of it than any uh, concertedly, uh, committedly um, or informed um, attachment to Hamas on, on the left. Uh, I certainly haven't seen it at the protests that I've been to, which actually, you know, I can only speak for myself, uh, and what I've seen were far more disciplined and cautious, actually, than what you might have seen in, say, 2014, when there were, you know, loads of Nazi-Israel comparisons. People have actually decided that's not worth having a fight over to, to a great extent. And and and, and I, I just haven't actually seen any of that. I've seen it online, haven't seen it with my own eyes. So I do not think that there is a big Hamas left out there. I think that the left and the activist left remains what it's been through all of this, not hugely informed in the main, not hugely certain about the world that it wants, certainly not certain about the the tactical resolutions it wants to particular complex situations. It's rather a body of people who feel very desperately that things in every sphere have got worse within their lifetime. And who feel that um, they need to seize these opportunities for mass demonstration and action, and also when they they feel that they're being lied to uh, and most sadistically lied to and having the most evil, brutal situations misrepresented uh, in media and by authority figures around them all the time that they want to act. Is this the most promising material for revolution or for the dictatorship of the proletariat? Absolutely not. Uh, However, we work with the material that we have. So that's my first point. I I, I completely refuse the idea that there is some deep attachment to Hamas specifically that warrants psychological explanation or any kind of explanation or even self-accusation. Certainly, I don't believe that the left needs to obliterate itself and begin again because some crazy woman had a a picture of a hang glider on her backpack. Um, Mm. That said, I'm seeing a lot from our colleagues about how, well, if they do support Hamas and if, you know, if, if, assuming that to be the case, this is something that represents some kind of deep pathology, some closet anti-Semitism, some derangement of woke ideology, some derangement of decolonialism that requires explanation. But I refuse that. If Even if people were absolutely hands down pro-Hamas, that would be one legitimate political position among others. Indeed, it's a political position held by many academics, both in the region and in the West, by many activists who are very committed to this, who are not just acting emotionally and responsively, like many of our our friends on all sides are, many people out there in protests are, people who have, you know, if anyone has a serious opinion, they do, who have come to the conclusion that um, 
that this is, on whatever grounds, a, an actor that has to be imbued with a certain legitimacy. I would only say on the subject of Hamas that whenever you have a Islamist fundamentalist hegemony in some in some place in the Middle East, it's because you almost always it's because either the CIA or Mossad have assassinated the Arab nationalists who were there before them. And anywhere you have Arab nationalists in charge, it's because the Arab communists have been killed by uh, the same mm -hmm. movements. It's always uh, swallowing spiders to catch flies. So Israel chose the enemy it has. Israel chose to have Hamas in charge of Gaza. And this is what they have to deal with. But it's also what anybody interested in peace in the region has to deal with. They are the ones in charge. We can't concoct or imagine some you know good moderate rebels into uh, uh, the region as the, the our preferred actors israel chose its preferred actors um as for what hamas oh, 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 does okay. Um, okay. yeah as for what hamas does um again you know if we take let's draw in a conservative voice here david cameron former british prime minister now foreign secretary if you take his words in the early uh, 2010s that gaza is an open air prison uh we don't need to follow those israeli sociologists who refer to it as a concentration camp um if we don't want to if we lived in those in that kind of environment then we would look to anybody who was uh taking direct action however um imprecise short-sighted whatever criticisms we might want to level at it however obscene as perhaps uh, as certainly some of the actions that took place there are questions about what took place but some of what took place on october 7th absolutely was we would be looking at them and thinking well what other option do i have the miracle of gaza the miracle of palestine is that so many of those fucking people are still interested in writing poems about olives um when I would expect all of them to be sadistic maniacs and anti-Semites. The fact that there is still such a, a Palestinian culture, the fact that there is still a Palestinian literature, a Palestinian philosophy, um, a Palestinian cuisine under those circumstances, it, it's enough to make you a liberal humanist, actually, that there is some core of goodness. I would expect all of them to be the worst caricature of what went on on October 7th under those circumstances. So I, you won't find me, like some of our colleagues, denouncing anybody who um, has ever said anything positive about Hamas as some kind of psychopath or some kind of avatar for a demented ideology. Actually, it's there are it is a legitimate political position among others, whether or not it is mine. It's not like you. It's not something I have dedicated a great deal of my attention and, and commitment to. But I'm not going to have it said that this is a totally illegitimate or perverted position when it is just one among others. Well, okay. So I'm I tend overall not to try to explain my political adversaries or people mm -hmm. who are part of factions that I don't agree with on well we both explained the, why why the activist left was so pro lockdown that that did warrant yeah no I didn't class say analysis no. yeah but not psychological mm -hmm. ones I wouldn't okay, want to sure. mm -hmm. yeah I wouldn't want to characterize someone as having a psychopathology um yes. But but I did. Um, I mean, like when it comes to lockdowns, the lockdown policy, you can ex you can explain why it's wrong, which I think is the first thing to do, right? Yeah. And then 
And then you can explain why people on the left who normally or you would have thought normally would have understood why it was wrong, already known the arguments that you made, did not see them um, or chose other other arguments. And that's you're always on shakier ground when you start to explain the reasons behind other people's mistakes. Um, I don't want to pathologize anyone for their uh, opposition to the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. Certainly, I agree with that uh, opposition, and I don't even want to pathologize or psychologize or try to diagnose what's wrong with the people who embrace Hamas as people, or their, or what their, or to claim that there's some deep-rooted anti-Semitism um, at work in them as individuals. I do think the question of anti-Semitism on the left it should be taken up, but I don't think that it's taken up in a very useful way most of the time, and I don't think it at all only applies to questions around Israel at all. Um, and uh, we can get back to, to that, but I think it's a conceptual problem, a way of understanding uh, uh, the world rather than uh, – and it, it can take many guises. You can, Basically, I believe there's something called formal anti-Semitism. Um, but we'll come back to that. But uh, my uh, stance towards Hamas is similar to what my stance towards the Taliban was in 2002, um, which I picked up and kind of would use the statements from Rawa, the Revolutionary Association of Women of Afghanistan, to justify and said they, you know, they opposed the they were struggling against the Taliban. They were dissonance against the Taliban in Afghanistan, struggling for women's rights and for basically some sort of socialism within Afghanistan. Um, and they opposed the invasion and bombardment of Afghanistan, even as they continued to oppose the Taliban. And I think that from what I understand, the form of, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not an independent state, but the form of governing that go, takes place within Gaza under Hamas would be opposed by people who would also oppose the Taliban, the Rawa, that the, that the first, if you're living in Gaza, you're probably your first oppressor is some Hamas gangster. And then after that, Israel. So, um, so I would, I would tend to think that, you know, uh, uh, I can see why in this moment your first enemy is Israel. But I think I, that overall Hamas I, is, I is, is an enemy the, in Palestinians. I think as for, the, as the, Taliban for, for the, the, the entire, um, the, the entire um, uh, uh, period of, of Hamas um, leadership of Gaza, um, however, um, whatever the effect on individual Palestinian lives in the area of Hamas gangsters, I, I think that the fact that um, the uh, Israeli border guards ha are counting your calories, as your published author Norm Finkelstein has detailed, I, I think it doesn't get more material than that. I, 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 I think that well, I, uh, I, mean, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a very rich comparison between sure, the Taliban, the, the rulers of an autonomous uh, uh, and diverse country no, versus a, an area as small as this. My um, understanding is that Hamas was taking humanitarian aid 
from the international community and turning it towards armaments rather than trying to build up the infrastructure that there were choices being there's a, made. There's a critique of international aid rather than a critique of uh, this individual group's use of it. I mean, that, that's the story of almost every instance of international aid, and that's why international aid is a, a kind of form of money laundering and, and a racket. If, if you expect the people of Gaza, uh, 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 their leadership and the people below them to accept and embrace a situation where some some millionaires in, in America sent them some greenhouses uh, and, uh, okay, there might be, uh, it, it might be that a foreign country controls their imports in their entirety, but at least you're getting this aid money in. If you expect them to see it that way, then... Uh, no, I expect I, 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 that when you are in charge of the the welfare of a population that you would prioritize their welfare alongside your political project for is the development of a caliphate and okay. and so so and so i so like it i'm not saying that israel is off the hook here but to claim that hamas is you know what are you saying that so because the international aid is being used to 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 launder money and to buy weapons for Hamas, um, that means that the problem is the people giving international aid first. Well, why um, is Hamas um, inter international, international aid? aid is always a, a fig leaf for um, for globalization. It it, it is always tied to um, the interests of the country giving the aid, and, and it's always a way of avoiding actually empowering and making autonomous the country that you're giving the aid to. That, that, Perhaps that is, that's so. Why does that in any way... It's not a leftist let Hamas project. International aid isn't a leftist how they're, project. How they're governing, governing in Palestine. Why, okay. why should Hamas be the political ally of a socialist left if what they are is mm -hmm. a product of, a, of corruption from the top to bottom? Okay, this is where the comparison with the Taliban is apt you said uh you said um well as aoc would put it why not do both why not both oppose um military intervention on the part of the west self-interested manipulation of the situation that's pursuit raw pursuit of power on the part of your own government whilst also denouncing the wickedness of these autocratic fundamentalist sexist uh, and the rest of it regimes that that uh, applies to the Taliban as much as to Hamas well i would say have a think about what part of that equation you actually have any say in what part of that equation you actually have any power over and one step further what's the material effect of you making either of those cases is likely to be you might well say that well, those people who complain about Western foreign policy or oppose wars, how did that go? The wars happened anyway. Fine. But I would say that those leftists who went on TV during the war on terror saying, actually, these Iraqis want us to liberate them. Have you heard about how badly women are treated in this country? Have you heard about how badly gays are treated in that country? Uh, of course, right-minded people are critical of our own country. But uh, we must announce these. What was the main material effect of that second uh, form yeah, of argument? The, the main material effect of it was not to teach those wicked Islamists across the world uh, a lesson. The main material effect was to make a whole lot of 
uh, people with some influence, with votes that count, think, oh, actually, maybe, uh, maybe you know, they're all as bad as each other over there, or actually, maybe our governments have a point. I would say that just well, as I, much as James, the, 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 the left, James. just to finish really quickly, the okay. left might have okay. thought that, well, I didn't want lockdown in the same way that Bill Gates wanted it. I wanted it in this special socialist way. How did that work out? Oh, I didn't want them to flatten all those countries. I wanted this special socialist solution to uh, the Taliban and to Hamas. How did that work I just, out? It's I the just same thing. mentioned Rawa, right? I just mentioned mm. my own op opposition to the bombing and invasion of Afghanistan mm -hmm. on a, in, in line with Rawa. Rawa, who also who were living in Afghanistan and who, who opposed the Taliban, wanted to depose the, the Taliban, but who opposed the U.S. intervention on the on the based on the fact that it would not assist their struggle for an independent Afghanistan based on, the, you know, everyone's rights, that it would only create chaos, empower the warlords and and destroy their efforts rather than help their efforts if there was a invasion and bombardment of Afghanistan that. Uh, that is why I oppose. It's one of the reasons why I oppose the invasion of Afghanistan. Okay, because I knew that it would in no way, despite the rhetoric from the neoconservatives, assist in creating conditions for freedom in the region. Um, it, that it, did, it would not have the outcome that it was be, that was being promised. Okay, now in the same way, if someone were to ask me, "Do you support the Taliban?" Mm -hmm. uh, in Afghanistan, I would have said, no, I don't support the Taliban. That did not, would not mean that I supported the invasion or bombardment of Afghanistan. I did not. But so, uh, when it comes to Hamas, you do yeah. not have to embrace Hamas in order to oppose the, uh, Israeli occupation and the, um, in, of, of the West bank and the blockade in Gaza. And, and you, you do not have to uh, support Hamas to want a ceasefire. You do not want to. You do not have to support Hamas uh, if you want an independent a Palestinian state. Um, those no, are not. Those are not necessary fine. things. I, and 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 to go further to say, look, that I don't believe that uh, supporting Hamas will be likely to create better conditions for Palestinian liberation. I don't think that the October seventh attacks were aimed in the short term or middle term at creating better conditions for Palestinian liberation. I don't think that Hamas' aims have much to do with Palestinian liberation. Uh, I I think that they demonstrated that they were quite happy to see uh, a massive reaction from Israel. Who Israel's totally morally responsible for that, not Hamas, but nonetheless. That was a calculation in their initial attack that this would be a part of the result, maybe perhaps not on this scale. And they were quite willing to sacrifice civilian Palestinians for uh, the aim of disrupting uh, a political process for normalization with Israel. And that's and not not for not for immediate liberation, not to create conditions that would be uh more likely to produce a, a one state with democratic rights for all, or even two states, but rather simply to uh, create a more tense, violent situation where normalization is less likely. And I, I, and you know, that serves the interests 
of Hamas, um, perhaps, and of Iran, um, but it does not serve the interest of the Palestinian people. It may serve the interest of Israel and the United States. I don't think it does, but it it could. But nonetheless, I just don't believe that uh, embracing Hamas is in line with hope, uh, with any hope or help for the Palestinian people. It's that doesn't mean I'm saying we can support yeah. the the bombardment or the occupation of Gaza any more it's, than I supported the bombardment of the Taliban of of Afghanistan. It's clearly uh, predictable what is going on. I mean, the 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 uh, the situation in the Red Sea uh, is. Um, seeming like a, a, a script that nobody could have predicted. Unexpected actors having outsized influence, the Houthis, who thought that mm. Yemen would turn out to be this kind of cinematic agent and, and would see so many usually keen uh, powers happy to get on with um, American aims backing down. There are, there are unpredictable aspects to this. I don't think anybody would say that... Uh, what um, Hamas did on October 7th has been a supremely beneficial thing for the people in Gaza or indeed the Palestinians elsewhere. Um, but I could imagine the argument being made that the Abraham Accords had actually created a sort of normalization of Israel's own position. If Israel has, from its inception, wanted the Palestinians to fuck off and die. Frankly, quite a lot of Arab elites have felt the same and felt that they would really like to have normalized relations with Israel. But unfortunately, because their people feel solidarity with the Palestinians, they can't go through with it. So um, there, there, there might be an argument to say that while that the success of what Hamas has done is at least to kind of disrupt that, that new normal that was going to basically just lead to the squeezing and squeezing until the Palestinians fuck off and die. But I don't see many people making that argument. I don't see many people defending Hamas as agents or or, or showing solidarity with them or imagining they're part of a, a beneficent left project. Um, what I see actually is an activist left which seems to be acting in a manner that's very close to what my instincts have been on those previous crises. It, 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 is, ask, it is asking, I think, this fundamental question. Whatever I think, whatever I imagine that I would do if I was in the president's war room and I was hammering out a strategy, you know, if I ruled the world, never mind that, I don't rule the world, I don't have a say, and no, no one on the left really has a say. Uh, we have to ask what, what, um, what, 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 is the likely effect of my actions here. And so um, I think that anytime somebody feels the need to, a leftist feels the need to preface their remarks with a denouncement of Hamas, preface their remarks with a denouncement of October 7th, to play the game of, oh, well, Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are both on the rise, or to play the game of, well, there's a lot of blame on both sides. They are, um, whenever we, do that little performance of making sure everyone knows that we disapprove of Hamas, we are falling into a trap. And that trap is to obscure the fact that our countries are directly responsible for the atrocities on one side in this conflict. It's not that we should be taking this Olympian stance where we rise above it and act like Solomon. Instead, we should be thinking about which which um, uh, 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 
democratic representatives, which political agents are allegedly in liberal democracy answerable to us? Who is my side offering arms, aid and diplomatic cover too in this. It isn't Hamas, it is Israel. And that is why I think that if you it's are going both. to kind of make this sort of both sides thing or to try to be equal about it, you're being a kind of intellectual liberal. Whereas if you are like the activist left on the street, naively idealizing the Palestinians, you're being a hard-headed materialist. Well, I don't see any connection to what you're saying in materialism, but um, at all. I mean, because you're you are granting that you can't have any political or economic or material effect. You're only going to be able to perhaps push those with actual power in one direction or another based on the framework that we're already in. Okay. So that's, that, which gonna, may be small, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd and, like to know and, what the alternative is. I, I mean, I, 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 mean, I will list I, what I think the results of these protests well, is outside mere emoting uh at some point in this recording right 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 but, but, so like go ahead. Uh, okay yeah so the um uh so all right so overall like um i believe my understanding of this situation is not again that that uh, leftists are dreadful psychotics or something that who are embracing this but rather that this the the what you you said so eloquently a moment ago that we have no political power, we have no way to shape the world, is what is driving um, the kind of politics we're getting. It's the radical acceptance of our powerlessness, um, or not the radical, maybe radical is the wrong word, but the deep acceptance of our powerlessness as a kind of permanent condition um, that is leading us to try to figure out which part of a very awful picture we want to champion. Um, and so what I would say is that, uh, and I'll give you an, I'll tell you an anecdotal story. When I was part of the peace movement back in, uh, 2002 to 2003, um, I had a debate with, um, another activist about what should the peace movement call for given, um, that the invasion had already happened. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons help to make sure that Sublation Media can continue to provide interviews, videos, books, and articles that are critical of the left from the left. If you are tired of remaining stuck within bourgeois ideologies and politics, help us sublate them both. <laughs>